0: welcome to ministry marks podcast my name is thomas majors and i'm joined by david haynes for this podcast we're going to be discussing the topic what makes a great pastor so a couple of weeks ago david and i discussed uh, some great pastors who are some great pastors who are some of those great pastors And we kind of mentioned in that podcast that it would be a great podcast idea to talk about what makes a great pastor. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about what makes a great pastor. I said, when I think of a great pastor, I think of a person like Tommy Vincent Mm -hmm. or an Adrian Rogers and who, who did you say, David? I you, said
1: I said Thomas Majors. Is who <laughs> yeah, was, that is not what you said. <laughs> no, I said uh, I said Randy Bostick, because I think we did local and national. I said that's Randy right. Bostick and then Chuck Swindoll is who I mentioned, oh, because, yep. because I have so many books of his that I've read. So, yeah. And Adrian Rogers, you can never go wrong with him. Absolutely. Amen, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so
0: there must be something in those guys, their ministries, their lives that— that lead us to believe that they are great pastors.
1: So yeah. what are what are some of those qualities? Well, you know, Thomas, the first one I have written down, and I'm pretty sure you have this one written down too, but the number one quality that I have down is they, they, a great pastor, great pastor's, have a heart for God. They have a hey, heart yeah. for God. In Jeremiah 315, the Bible says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. And so I think they have a heart for God. So Thomas, elaborate a little bit about what your thoughts are about having a having a heart for God, or how does that manifest itself in the life and the practicality of a pastor? Yeah, I was just thinking that yeah.
0: when you... uh when you were saying that verse they have, they have a heart for God, they have a love for God. I think I put it in my notes as that this person would have a love for God. So how is a love for God evident in a person's life? I think it's evident through, uh, their, their study of God's word. Yeah. 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 I mean, if it's a person who is, uh, loving God with their mind, then they are going to be loving God through the study of his word. If they're loving God with all of their, their heart, their soul, there's going to be passion for, for the things of God as well. I think for holiness, the word of God, I think there's going to be a, a desire for a person to, to pray. Mm-hmm to have that intimate type relationship with God. I think there's going to be a love for the church as well. I mean, that yeah. they want to be around the, the people of God. They're going to, they're going to want to study the word. They're going to yeah. want to preach the word to people. Yeah.
1: yeah. I agree. They're
0: going to want to be in uh, fellowship with people. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I'm a jerk. Because <laughs> you don't like fellowshipping. <laughs> no, you do. You do. You show a lot of people. <laughs> oh All right. So,
0: <laughs> so I th- I think it's going to be evident in the way yeah. they, they handle the Word of God. The deacons were called in Acts so that the apostles could do two things. So they could give themselves to the ministry of the word and to the ministry of prayer. So I'm going to say the ministry of the word, how that person relates to God through the ministry of the word and the
1: ministry of prayer speaks volumes of how they love God. I, and I fully agree with you. Something you said it reminds me, if you are a great pastor, I think it's going to come out in your preaching. The people will know your love for them, your love for the word, your love for God, your love for prayer. I think it'll come out. Thomas, I feel there is a difference between preaching and pastoring. And I believe a an evangelist can can preach, man, they might preach a stem winder of a sermon, but there is a difference between a preaching pastor. And I believe that it can really come out and they can show and you can you can you can see it in the life of a pastor for years. I know that man loves the Lord because I've been sitting under his preaching not just for a week or for a month, but for years or in the case of some of the great pastors we've already mentioned for decades. There are people who have sat under some of these great pastors year in and year out, decade in and decade out, and they know they have a heart for God, and it's evidenced in their preaching. And so there's consistency.
0: That's yeah. that's basically what you're saying. There's consistency over a period of time where this person, it is evident they're walking with the Lord and and serving the Lord. And a lot of times that comes through in the most public. <laughs> area of ministry that the pastor does Mm -hmm. not everybody sees the pastor when he visits a home not everyone sees the the pastor when he is giving counseling within the office but almost everyone sees the pastor on a sunday morning preaching and so it's going to be evident through that that public aspect of ministry and in the preaching yeah the, the way he
1: handles the word I fully agree. You know, Thomas, we're talking about a great pastor, great pastors, Uh, what makes a great pastor. Sometimes we, me and you, sometimes preachers, uh, we will look and say, "Well, boy, that guy must be a great pastor because he pastors a church that runs a thousand and he must be 10 times better than a a pastor that just pastors a church that runs a hundred. But I don't think that's the case. Church size, I don't think, equates to what's a great pastor or what is the makeup of a great pastor. uh, There are probably many pastors who pastor a hundred people who are better pastors than pastors of a thousand or thousands of people. We have a problem
0: when it comes to celebrity, celebrity status. We try to give people celebrity status who, who have a lot of influence. And even though a person may be the pastor of such and such church with thousands of people, he has a lot of influence, but that does not mean that he is actually a pastor of that congregation uh, in the sense that I'm using the word yeah. pastor. Now, could he be the preacher? Yep. Sure. He could be the teaching preacher or the lead preacher. He can be the lead pastor. He could be the leader of the church. He could be the administrator of the church. But is he in the trenches with the people, pastoring, yeah. caring for them? Picking them up when they're, when they're down, uh, guarding them from, from the, uh, from the world. Yeah. Is, is he doing that? And th- that might not be the case, Yeah, but it may be the case with that person who is pastoring the church down the road. That's got 25 people in it. Yeah. And he is loving his people. He is caring for his people. He is proclaiming the word. And so size does not matter when it comes to if a person is what we are describing as a great pastor. That's right,
1: man. That's right.
0: For me, when I, when I'm thinking about a great pastor, I want there to be balance. Mm -hmm. So I think there should be a balance when it comes to the responsibilities or the role of a pastor. If I ask you, you know, what are the, the responsibilities of a pastor. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we have a lot of different things that we may say, but there's a there's a guy who wrote a book. It's been quite a few years ago. His name is Alan Mo- Mosley. Alan Mosley described the role of the pastor using three words. Those three words are proclaim, lead, care. Mm-hmm. And basically, he would, he would argue that anything that a pastor does can be placed into one of those circles. Mm-hmm. So if a pastor is going to administrate in one way, look over the budget and figure out, well, that's going to be part of leading, mm-hmm. the leading ministry of the pastor. If the pastor is going to go and visit someone at a, uh, at a hospital that's going to be part of the caring ministry. If he is going to be studying the word and preaching the word, that is part of the proclaiming ministry. And so the way Alan Mosley kind of developed this, there's three, you remember what a Venn diagram is? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. So a Venn diagram is, you know, it's got those circles and those circles are overlapping mm-hmm. in yeah. this equal kind of way. And basically he would have those three circles overlapping into a Venn diagram And so I think a great pastor is one who does all three of those well. Gotcha. Yeah. He is a person who doesn't just say, well, I'm not gifted in administration and I'm not going to do it. Leave that up to someone else. Yeah. He's not a person who just says, you know what, God, God hasn't gifted me to uh, to like people. Yeah. And to remember their names. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm just not going to do it. Uh, yeah, he's gifted man. me to preach. I'm just going to preach. Yeah. I think a a great pastor is one who has balance mm-hmm. in those areas. Yeah, I think that, that's really good. That is doing the function of all three of those well. Mm-hmm. And even, I, I'm just kind of the person, I, I know where I'm gifted at. Uh-huh but it does not give me an excuse to neglect those areas that I'm not gifted. Right. Right. And I think that's true for, for all pastors. And for a great pastor to be a great pastor, there needs to be yeah. some balance.
1: To follow what you've said, it is easy as a pastor to focus on what we're good at. If it's the preaching ministry, the proclaiming ministry, it would be easy to pour all of our time into reading books about the sermon development or learning how, learning different theories of preaching or how to share. It, it would be really easy to just focus on that. But then we almost would become a one trick pony. You know, we're, yeah. we're not, we're not that well-rounded pastor. Pastor that the people need. So I fully agree with you, man. I fully agree. So Thomas, I would, I would say a, a great pastor puts things in order order. And it's similar to something you've already said. As I was reading uh, in the book of Titus, Titus 1.5, Titus was left in Crete to put things in order. Sometimes when a person goes to a church, he might find that church is disjointed. Man, everything is out of sorts. Nothing is flowing well. The committees are not functioning well, and the church is just kind of scattered. And that pastor Puts things in order. I think a great pastor helps a church function at a higher level. He whenever he came here, they were on a four out of ten. But whenever he leaves, they should be higher than that—a seven or eight or a nine out of ten—going together and being unified and serving together. What else are some of your thoughts? So I've, I've got some follow-up questions okay. for for you. Yeah,
0: should we always we okay? This is a problem, I think, in the Southern Baptist life. Okay. We put a lot of emphasis on numbers. Yeah. Sunday school, budget, uh, attendance, Sunday morning attendance. I don't think it's the most important thing. I, I Now, don't get me wrong. I think those numbers are important. I think the Sunday school number is important. I think the worship service attendance is important because... Every number represents a soul and someone's eternal destiny. But I think we put too much emphasis on that. And and sometimes I think a, a pastor can be a person who is building the congregation up doctrinally, strengthening their relationship with God. But it doesn't necessarily equate to more baptisms, or more
1: uh, Sunday school attendance, or more yeah. uh, dollars in the more, offering, more play. dollars
0: in the offering plate. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right, and we would fail in doing that. I, I remember years ago, I heard Bert Harper say something while he was at West Jackson Street. At one point, I believe when he first went there as pastor, they still had the attendance board displayed somewhere, and he said he wanted it taken down because he didn't want his ministry judged on nickels and noses. I remember him saying that. It was so interesting. I don't want nickels and noses to to be what someone says is a good ministry or a bad ministry, because there are times where the nickels in the noses are less than last week, last month, last year, but the ministry is still good. So when I worked,
0: I worked at this one establishment. I will not say the name of it, but I worked in maintenance and there was a guy who had smoked for years and years and years. and, And a lot of times people think about smoking and they think of lung cancer, but for this person and for many people. He developed nose cancer, oh, cancer okay. in his nose, and yeah. he had his whole nose removed.
1: Oh, so he wouldn't so even he be counted. Could, there Nickels and noses he wouldn't apply. <laughs> that was that's terrible. I that's know. terrible. Has anybody called you a jerk during this podcast yet? Not yet. <laughs> well, you're a jerk. Let me just tell you. <laughs> and I'll say that with the utmost respect. You took it respectfully, right? I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so funny, man. Yeah, great pastors are faithful brothers. Titus one five through nine. Talks about just being being faithful, being faithful. Yeah. You know, being a faithful brother when it comes to ministry.
0: So we've already mentioned love God. Yeah. You mentioned that. I I mentioned that there needed to be a balance between the functions. And then I would just say that we need to love people as well. We've we've kind of skirted around it, and I'm sure you're probably going to talk about it even more so. Yeah. But we just need to love people. If there's there's a big regret in my ministries and the places that I've served, it would be that, that I needed to visit more mm-hmm. and that, and I think many pastors probably would say that as well. Most, I, yeah. I wish that I could have been here and done this or been with them then, or whatever it may be, yeah. this idea of visiting and, and just doing life with the people more so yeah. than he, uh, He did. And that's one of my regrets. So I think loving people is seen in the way, uh, in the way we, we care for them, knowing their name, knowing, uh, things about them, actually praying for them, uh,
1: and just showing care and compassion yeah, to yeah. them. Matt Thomas, I, I totally agree. I, th- I think with the people, as you go from one church to the next, as you grow in the ministry, you become a better pastor. I recall resigning the first church I ever served as pastor. And I said, what I hate so much about this is the second church I'm going to serve as pastor starting the very next week or two weeks later. I said, I'll be such a better pastor to them than I were to you. And I'm a better pastor at my third church than I was at my second church. And and it just kind of goes along with it, with the process. But yeah, loving people and listening to them. I remind myself of three things. The first of every month, I have this on my calendar, roll it over to the next calendar every month. And I always remind myself of three things. Number one is always be compassionate. ABC, always be compassionate. I got to remind myself, always be compassionate i may have sat where that person is sitting theoretically but i may not have always be compassionate oh, that's good yeah well thank you I, that that is original with me always be compassionate another one who is from a former associate pastor that served here barry Bushelon. He said, uh, it's whenever someone brings something to your attention, it may catch you totally off guard. He said, the statement you ought to always say is, thank you for sharing that with me. That is so good to know. And uh, and I always remind myself, if somebody comes at me with something odd, thank you for sharing that with me. That is good to know. And the third thing on every month I remind myself of is this saying, we teach what we know. We reproduce who we are. And, uh, and I, and I like that. I just need to be reminded that it's not just about teaching what we know, but I'm in the process of reproducing who I am. Who am I? Uh, a faithful Christian, husband, father, pastor. I want to see more faithful Christians, husbands, fathers, and pastors. That's why I try to reproduce who I am. And it's through listening to people and loving on people. Yeah. So I think you're right. I got a question. Okay.
0: <clears throat> Here's my question. Okay. A moment ago, you said that I am going to be a better pastor to that church yeah. than I am that I because of experience. Yeah. That's what you're talking experience. about. That's it. But the experience you got in the first church will allow you to be a better pastor to the next church. I believe that's true in my ministry as well in that that first church, Lord bless them. You know? oh, Lord bless them. They that's suffer right. through so that's much. Right. <laughs> In the second church, Lord bless them, and they suffer through so much. And yeah. serve three churches. The yeah. third church, Lord bless them, they That's suffer right. through so much. Yeah. All right. Do you think what is best uh-huh. for a pastor to go somewhere and serve long term uh-huh. or to to get experience? Uh-huh and to move on.
1: I think it is best to get experience and to move on. That's exactly what I think. I, I, I don't, I've never, I've never thought about this before until you asked me everything. That's a really good question. Some guys can go in and they can serve wherever for however long. Whenever I was at uh, the Southern Baptist Convention just a couple of weeks ago, I found myself standing in line for an extended period of time. And I talked to a man who his first Southern Baptist Convention when it was when he was 19 years old and it was 53 years ago. And I said, how long he serves in North Carolina in the Durham, Raleigh area. And I said, how long have you been at the church? They have 10 staff members at his church now. He's still the pastor. I said, how long have you been there? He said, 43 years. And we talked about longevity of ministry and what that looks like and calling multiple staff members and seeing a church grow through all that time. And it was so interesting to talk to him, but I do think you can go, you can grow and then the Lord will a lot of times allow you to go over to another church and and not have to experience those growing pains. And the Lord uses that for the benefit of the church and the pastor. You know, we make mistakes. Thomas, you made mistakes at every church you've been at. I made mistakes at every church I've been at. And guess what? We'll continue to make mistakes. Yeah. We're as part of being sinful humans. And the Lord sometimes allows a pastor to go to a different church and to be an even better pastor and allows that church where mistakes were made to be able to call a pastor and then they will be an even better church because of that pastor and his previous leadership and now someone else will come in that has learned in other places and can help grow that church for what they need then. I was
0: just thinking about some of the pastors who I know, let's just say they're 70 to 80 now. A lot of them of that age, they would pastor a church for like a year, year and a half, and then they would go to another church. Mm-hmm. And they'd pastor for for two years or mm-hmm. three years, and then they'd go to another church. But eventually around four or fifth church, they would stay for like stay. 30 years. Yes. Yes. And it's like You're right. it's like they got experience in those other places and yep. and were able to stay for a long period. When now, I think it was uh, around 1940 to 50-something Okay, when Pleasant Ridge and uh, Dumas and in Union County did away with the annual call.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah. So do
0: you know when, did Trinity ever have an annual call?
1: Okay, not that I know of. So Trinity right now is about 78 years old.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so they, yeah. So they it, wouldn't have been
1: even- around uh, right and so trinity was the first uh, that was southern baptist church that was started in Itawama county that was solely sbc and not bma or independent that became sbc as as it became more prominent so trinity wouldn't but thomas the first church i ever went to his pastor had an annual call the very first Did tr- it. yes yes and my stipulation was if you want me to be your pastor you're doing away with the annual call right now and we're not going to have it and uh, they 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 voted that out and voted me in, and I stayed there for five years and three months. But they had an annual call. The previous pastor was voted out on the annual call, okay. or, or short shortly after that. They had an annual call, and they had just they had they had just renewed his call for another twelve months. And then there was a immorality issue that came to light, and then he was voted out two or three months into it. And he threatened a lawsuit because the church owed him his 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 rest of the year pay, and uh, they, it never went to court or anything like that. But yet they had an annual call until I became their pastor they may have it again. I don't know. I've been gone from there for over 10 years, but they might've reinstated it, but they did not while I was there. So first
0: Baptist Nettleton, they did away with their annual call around sometime in the 1950s, because mm-hmm. my grandfather went there to be pastor. Oh, yeah. And after he was there for a year, they did away with the annual call, probably yeah. because he was yeah. He was like, all right, we got to do away with this. Yeah. <laughs> but But even with that annual call, that gives an opportunity for pastors to move it and sure get does. experience yeah. and to learn from one church and take that to another church. So yeah. that's yeah. Some, that's an interesting thought.
1: Yeah. And I also think in bivocational ministry, it is easier to move. If you have a home somewhere, you're not living in a parsonage. If you have a home, there might be eight or 10 churches within driving range that theoretically, you know, you very well could go to and pastor. And so I think it's an easier move, especially if there's a little hiccup or something going on, you can go down the road and pastor that church and you continue to grow and learn. And, uh, and then you become a great pastor. Like that guy who is 53 years, he's been coming to Southern Baptist conventions In the first 10 years of his ministry, he pastored three or four churches. And then that either fourth or fifth church, boom, he hit. He stayed. It was fantastic, and you know, and has been for years and years. So yeah. Now, now
0: we today really push that for a pastor to to be long term to to stay for a long long time. And I, I I I agree with that. But if it's true what we're saying about experience and growing in experience, should there I don't know I don't should there be an opportunity for them to get multiple years of experience and then plant themselves into a church but how would they do
1: that yeah that's a good question and i don't i don't know a good answer for it you know yeah that that is good you know, I heard a sir, a fellow say this one time what preach as if it's your last day with those people pastor as if you'll never leave them you know so have a have oh, a good, good pastoral ministry so all right all right so Thomas I, you're talking about loving the people I think a good a great pastor will use his personality or use his giftedness to disciple and evangelize the people we want to share the gospel and we want to see them grow into the nurture and admonition of the lord we want to see them grow so what are you thinking about? great pastors. Well, I,
0: I just want to piggyback off of what yeah. you just said. you said a pastor would use his giftedness and that does not have to look the same for all pastors. Does it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. I think there was a turning point in my ministry at, at the last church I pastored because I got to this point where I thought, you know what? I love technology. I, I love to be able to use technology and learning new things. And I thought, well, I can disciple people through technology. And so, of course, uh, part of that process birthed, you could say, this Uh, podcast and birthed uh, the video type ministry at the church that I had before and the teaching video type ministry that I had. So uh, that doesn't always have to look the same. (laughs) And and it was key, giftedness, the giftedness that God has given to that person. To disciple others, and it doesn't always have to be in that Adrian Rogers type That's right. vein.
1: That's right. So Yeah, because you, you and I have been friends for years, and when we are so very similar in so many, theologi- theologically and doctrinally sem- similar, but our giftedness is Totally different. Completely different. Completely different. People that like me don't even like you. Can you believe that? I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, where where I love conversation and love talk. It's just and your 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 giftedness is different than mine. I love
0: going places <laughs> with David because I don't have to talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do all the talking for you, buddy. You do all the talking. I just for tell me. you and, what you need to know, and I get to just sit back
0: and listen, and and then I get to listen and process and, and ask and, a question
1: occasionally, and ask a question occasionally, and David's talking, and I'm just I'm just so excited about it. Oh, that's so funny. and I love talking. I love that's like the Southern Baptist Convention. We were up there. We stayed at the at the Gaylord Opryland Hotel, and it was about a 20 minute uh, shuttle bus ride. And I sat next to I sat next to my wife every time, but we. We sat next to different people, people I didn't know, and the whole time I was picking their brains. Where are you at? How long have you been there? What's your ministry look like? <laughs> and at one point, my wife asked another pastor friend of ours who sat behind us and said, do you do this? And that pastor friend said, no, I hate that. <laughs> 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 but I love it. I love doing that. So, yeah. He sounds like my kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, man. Uh, well, Thomas, we've talked about some great pastors, and one of these days... I hope somebody looks at us and says, is that Thomas Majors, that David Haynes? Man, those guys were great pastors.
0: I agree. I want to thank you for joining us on the Ministry Marks podcast today. We've been talking about great pastors, and I hope you will join us again next week for the next episode of the Ministry Marks podcast.